Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome back to Inspired Leadership. My name is Tyler Bailey, and I'm here with Susan Power. Here is where we try to unravel and discover what it means to be an inspired leader or what it means to to witness or be a part of inspired leadership. We hope you really enjoy the podcast. If you do like this podcast, please give it a like. Every single bit counts. I am so excited to have Dan Martell on the Inspired Leadership Podcast today. Dan is a serial entrepreneur, speaker, investor, former founder of Clarity FM. Dan is a perfect example of someone who has overcome all odds to achieve massive success. Having built and sold three technology companies, Dan now dedicates his time to coaching high-performing SaaS entrepreneurs to scale their businesses in a predictable way. So Dan Martell, welcome to the Inspired Leadership Podcast. Thank you for coming on. Susan, my pleasure. I'm so excited to be here. What I love about your story, Dan, is that you started off as a complete underdog and basically bootstrapped your way to major, massive entrepreneurial success as the founder of three tech companies. Can you tell us a little bit about your starting point in New Brunswick, Canada, and you have such an amazing story. Can you, can you sum it up for us and tell us how it all unfolded? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give you the, uh, I sometimes call it long story sh- or short story long. Uh, I'll, I'll give you guys a short version. Um, 17 years old, I uh, found myself in a high speed chase, uh, being chased by the police, drunk and high, and um, with a stolen, uh, with a, a gun in a handbag sitting next to my seat. Classic. And, yeah, <laughs> just, just like everybody else when they grow up. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, I share that because it was it was a pivotal moment for me. I, uh, I ended up, um, you know, trying to get away from the police, smashed in the side of a house, and you know, went to pull the handgun to point it to the police to let them do their job and take my life. And, oh my gosh! Yeah. And for whatever reason, the handgun got stuck, and the police ran up to the car and opened the doors and grabbed me, and my feet didn't touch the ground, and they threw me in the back of the the car and I ended up waking up the next morning sober in a jail cell not knowing what my life was going to look like yeah and I just knew that like you know somebody must have been looking out because I wasn't supposed to be there and um that started a journey for me I ended up getting sentenced to uh almost a year and a half uh I went to adult jail for the severity of my crimes and after six months, five, six months, I got released to a rehab center called uh, Portage um, and did an 11 month program where the average program was six months because clearly I had a lot of stuff to deal with. <laughs> and, um, and it was at the end of that program, you know, rebuilding my relationships with my family, but I obviously burned a lot of bridges and, you know, understanding my value and understanding how to deal with my feelings. Uh, at the end of that program, I was helping out uh, the maintenance guy, Rick, clear out one of the cabins. It was an old uh, church camp. And I found this old 486 computer with a book on Java programming sitting right next to it. And I'd never touched a computer. I saw the book. I opened it. It read like English. I thought that was weird. If that's computer programming, I always thought it was like ones and zeros. And uh, I... <laughs> 
booted up the computer and typed in the stuff in chapter one of the book and I made the computer say hello world and nice yes yes and I thought it was a genius yes. I thought holy cow I'm an un I'm, I'm maybe I'm dumb at everything else in life but I'm some weird savant when it comes to programming yeah unfortunately I'm not uh, as good as I thought I was uh, <laughs> but um, that became essentially my new addiction and personal development, you know, and entrepreneurship really the ultimate uh, program, personal development program for me. So I got out, I, I've always been entrepreneurial. If you guys can imagine some of the uh, escapades I got myself into, but mm -hmm. you know, I just took a lot of the lessons I learned, you know, selling drugs and, you know, trying to fend for myself on the streets to um, you know, the boardroom essentially. And uh, over the last few years I've, I've built a lot I built five software companies first two were complete failures the last three I exited the last two were venture backed out of San Francisco um, and I've just had the privilege of you know investing in I think 38 companies now as an angel investor with my own money and companies like Hootsuite Intercom Udemy get around you know four billion dollar companies and I don't know. I look back at my life and I just feel super grateful and, and blessed to be here today. And I don't take it for granted. And every day when my feet hit the ground, I thank whoever's looking out for me that I get another chance to do it again. And that's what drives me, you know, just to try to wow. leave the world a better, I, the way I think about it is I want to leave the world with a better set of problems. Mm. Uh, that's such an inspiring yeah. story. I mean, I, I can just imagine if you went back today and talked to young offenders that, you know, it, it would just blow their minds. And, and the fact that you took the gold from that situation and got to where you are today is, is phenomenal. Yeah, no, it's actually something I, I, it's part of my, one of the core pillars of my life is a program called Creators. And I work with at-risk youth. And, you know, when I go start with a new group of, of, kids um obviously i share that story just to kind of connect with them and um it's really it's really neat i always you know at this point now i've been doing that for 20 years uh pretty much ever since i got out i just always kept going back and talking to the new group of kids that were in, in portage and then that kind of grew to like you know uh, group homes and foster home programs and i just take the story for granted but every time i share it they just you know they, they have so many questions and that, that really opens up the space for us to do really yeah. cool work. So essentially I help yeah. them build their confidence through building businesses. That's, that's the work Absolutely. I love. Absolutely. You know, Dan, Dan, you talk about um, a lot of things you just said, like crossing, you know, going from this a place of almost turmoil into this um, mogul. <laughs> um, one question we, we like to ask is, uh, what does inspired leadership mean to you, especially as somebody, as an inspired leader? Yeah, well, I, I remember reading, uh, I forget what book I got it from, but this idea of the four levels of leadership, right? And there's, there's the four levels at the bottom, there's the title leader, right? And this is the person that says, I'm the boss, do what I say, right? And this is, you know, unfortunately, if you've ever had a really crappy boss, that's, that's probably the style he was using. Um, and then as you go up to the next level, level two, it's, it's the trader, right? And this is, you know, this is how Silicon Valley pretty much runs on. It's like work here, do this, I'll give you stock options, right? It's always this reward <laughs> thing for doing great work. Yeah. And then the third level leadership is the servant leader. And this is definitely where I spend most of my time. And it's really about this idea of coming to a team and saying, I'm here to serve you, you're not here to serve me, 
right? And what can I do to help you be better, get you unstuck, unblocked, et cetera, and, and really get more throughput uh, from the team. And then the fourth level of leadership, and this is one we all can aspire to, and maybe we have moments of this showing up, and this is the spiritual leader, right? This is the Mother Teresa, the Gandhis, you know, you name them. Like the people that even though you've never, in many ways, Steve Jobs, right? Like people that you may have never met that have had a huge impact on your life based on the values that they carried their life with. And that, that's to me what I, if you say, what's an inspired leader look like or what does it embody? It embodies somebody that's very clear on their values, that they, uh, they don't have compromise and that they, they come with a contribution mindset as a first priority. And I think that, wow. you know, if I look at when my life and my, the economics in my life or the team, like, dude, the first two companies, the reason why they failed is because I didn't understand how to manage people. I didn't even understand how to connect with people, nothing. Like it was really this, I'm embarrassed at how horrible I was of just like, <laughs> you know, telling people what yeah. to do and asking that they call me back and tell me how they did it. And I checked all their work and it's just like, there's just not, doesn't get, that's not how it's done. Right. And, yeah. um, and it's even for me, it's just this journey of, of trying to let the ego, you know, it's, it's funny the other day, my videographer had hired a new employee and, um, we were talking and he goes, I said, uh, Hey man, that new, uh, clip you did of the rally racing, um, did you do that or was that Sam? And he goes, oh, that was Sam. I was like, dude, that's amazing. Cause I was all excited that he hired somebody really talented. And then he goes, yeah. you know, with my direction. And I said, uh, hey man, I totally appreciate what you just said, but just so you know, you never want to take the light from your team member. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and he wow. goes, wow. oh wow, I didn't even realize I was doing that. And I said, I know. And that's why I wanted to give you that little, little, little tip. Cause I'll tell you, um, I don't care if anybody gives me the credit. I get the outcome. I want the outcome. If the team wants the credit, they get the credit. I, I, you'll very rarely hear me say that any of the stuff I did was on my own. It was, it was a team effort. It was the people like rehab. It was these incredible guidance counselors that showed up for me to, you know, the mentors in my life, to my team that supported me in every one of the companies I've built, to the founders that I've been fortunate enough to invest in. And that's just, hmm. that to me is inspired leadership. Almost like there's uh, no self-made millionaire, really. That's all. That, that is such a group. dumb, it's not a real term. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, it's so, it, <laughs> so yes. bad. It's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Like, unless you trade stocks, that's the only profession where I give you a pass. <laughs> that's such a great definition of leadership and it's kind of makes me think of being a parent right if someone is having a kid there's no handbook you can read to prepare yourself for how to be a good parent you kind of learn through your mistakes and errors and you get better with the hopefully get better with the second kid and so so on <laughs> same thing with being a people leader right you can you kind of have to learn through your experience and you get better and when you're coached uh, get feedback from people. Hopefully you, you adjust and you get a bit better every day. And the, and the other benefit, Susan, that I think is fascinating and, and, and just a beautiful um, kind of side benefit that you don't realize when you start is great leaders set the example by their actions, not by what they say. Right. And as a parent, you know, you know, like you just can't, you can't tell a kid what to do. You gotta, you essentially need to embody what you're asking of them. And then 
give them corrections because if you don't, it only lasts so long till they get smart enough and say, well, that's weird. You tell me I got to eat healthy, but I just saw you pound back a bag of chips. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, that's right. So that, yeah. So that to me is, is the other kind of beautiful benefit of truly inspired leaders in, in my opinion is that they, it's a forcing function for them to step up their game because the caliber of people that they should be wanting to attract are going to be that much higher at each stage. So they need to become better so that they can lead those people. Absolutely. Dan, you talk a lot about passion in some of the YouTube videos I've seen online about passion being so critical to the success of an entrepreneur. Can you tell us a bit about your philosophy about why passion matters? It's it's very clear from when you're talking that you have a lot of passion in your voice, but why is it important for an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, I, I got it. This is, I think it's important, you know, for anybody that wants to achieve any level of, you know, next level of success, right? So like, to me, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time with incredibly um, accomplished individuals that I coach, um, but it's always about like, what's the next level, right? And, and the cool part is, um, it's always about trying to understand what's the blind side, what do they need to get to the next level? And, um, so passion's always been part of it. And I couldn't really explain it until recently, not recently, but probably six years ago, I was listening to an interview at uh, the D conference. It doesn't exist anymore, but Steve Jobs and Bill Gates were on stage. So if you search that, you'll find it. Wow. We're sitting in red chairs. And Steve Jobs, they asked him, you know, what's the number one thing you need to be successful? Bill Gates gave his answer, which I don't even remember because it wasn't that memorable. But Steve Jobs, <laughs> Jobs goes, uh, passion. <laughs> Bill Gates. Yeah, okay. who, who knows? Bill oh, Gates is like Bill yeah. Gates is like Walmart in my world. It's like vanilla <laughs> um, gray. It's yeah. like there's no there's no um, uh-huh. you know you could swap it out with anybody else and it wouldn't wouldn't feel different. But, yeah, um, Bill Gates. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Side tangent, but um, <laughs> as, as a joke the other day, I said pause to my friend. I want to go on a side tangent, and he goes unpause. <laughs> unpause me (laughs) Unpause. i want to talk about the thing i was talking about um but steve Jobs says passion but not for the reason that a lot of people are saying right yes you need to be passionate blah 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 but he said passionate because if what you want to do is is it's definitely going to be hard if you want to create something from scratch so this is not just for entrepreneurs this is for anybody that wants to get a promotion they want to step up the leadership game they want to you know increase their their health and their their relationships is going to be so hard that that at some point any rational person looking at you would say you have every reason to give up (laughs) and nobody would hold it against you and it's because you're passionate that you decide to keep on going. And that is mm-hmm. why it's required. And to me, I was like, that finally explains what I've always felt that I couldn't explain is that to me, it's the fuel source for entrepreneurship, especially in my world where, where it's innovation and disruption and technology. Um, so often I've been looking at the data and it just didn't make sense. But what I did have was passion for the problem, right? I really believe that to build great companies, you need to fall in love with the problem, not your solution, right? Cause the solution uh, will shift and change, right? Mm-hmm. The approach, the strategies, the tactics will always shift and change. But what you need to make sure that is connected is the passion to solve the problem. What wrong do you want to write in the world? If you can figure that out, you will give yourself a true north for the rest of your life. 
I was gonna say, you can tell you were so passionate, uh, ridiculously, like ridiculously, but I love it. It's good, it's good, contagious. Why are you so passionate about helping others succeed? Yeah, so if you do it right, the cool part is that it brings a lot of value into your life, right? So, so, so what's mm -hmm. funny is, you know, short, the short answer is, you know, well, a short example is, you know, anytime I'm feeling down, the first thing I do is I pick up the phone, I call my other entrepreneurial friends, and I just ask them how they're doing. Mm -hmm. And if they're, do, if they're having a hard time, I walk them through it. And when I hang up the phone, I feel better. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah. Yeah. and they don't even know. Right. I can literally just wake <laughs> up and just not feel hundred percent and be like, you know what? I'm just going to call this friend and be like, how are you doing? They're like, Oh, I'm struggling with this marketing challenge. And I'll just walk them through it. And they're like, man, thanks for the call. Like you just called me out of the blue. And I'm like, yep. And then I hang up and I go, Hey, I feel better. So it's kind of, it's always, it's always in many ways selfish. Right. And, and I think that's okay. Cause he, here's what I believe. I believe that we can only keep what we give away. Okay. And I learned that yeah. as a 17 year old in rehab. If I wanted sobriety, I had to help other people get it. If I wanted love in my life, I had to give 100%. I can't give 50, I gotta go 100. If I want trust in my life and be around trustworthy people, guess what I gotta do? I gotta trust others. Of course. And that yeah. principle just is a core driving narrative in my life to say, you know, if I want more, um, if I want more health in my life, I got to help other people get it for themselves. If I want more economic success in my life, I got to give more, right? Like it's such a crazy wow. thing. And this is where I think tithing, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, uh, how would I say this? I'm not a, um, I'm a religious, I'm a spiritual person, not a religious person. Mm -hmm. And I believe that tithing mm -hmm. is universal. That, the, that, that in giving to others, we receive so much more. And it's a weird thing. Like my kids, like the other day, my kid asked me why I gave money to this person at a, at a red light. And I just said, it's because it's what we do when we have more. And, and he goes, mm -hmm. well, why? You know, and I said, do you, do you ever, you know, and he's like, no, we, we always have enough food with da, 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 da. And I was just like, yeah, so when you can, you must. And I don't know, I just, mm -hmm. the other beliefs that I have around that, uh, Tyler, is, you know, that I believe that the human race is at our core DNA. Okay, this is at the DNA level, biologically programmed into our DNA. We are programmed to help the next generation be better than the generation we came and experienced, right? Hence why I like to say yes. I want the world with a better set of problems. It's why as a parent, the narrative is I want to provide better for my kids than I experience. It's why we create education. It's why we, it's, it's cool because in programming, you know, I seen it because I'm a software guy, I seen the evolution, right? From like the base mm -hmm. operating languages in like ASIC and, and binary to now today JavaScript. But there's all these different levels of obscurity that allowed the next generation of programming to be faster, more efficient, less buggy, right? Built on mm -hmm. the foundation. So in every discipline in the world, from sciences to uh, to math, to home living, to health, et cetera. It's always built upon another set of foundation. And that's just part of who we are as humans. So I think that uh, if you want to get even deeper on this, because this is something that I spent mm -hmm. a lot of time thinking about for a few years, just why am I here kind of question. Yeah. And I truly believe that every person's here to help other people fast track, avoid uh, a, the major pain that they went through in their life. Ooh. And everybody's yeah. got to figure out what that is, but they probably know, right? It's like the, the answer shadow to, of the personality. Yep. Yeah. It's the answer to if I gave you a billion dollars and you couldn't spend it on yourself, what problem would you want to solve in the world? What you would do with that billion dollars is probably the pain or 
or, or whatever situation that you would want to help other people avoid or get through easier. And that's where you should lean into today, regardless of your economics means, regardless of your situation, um, because in doing so, you will bring so much more back in your life. So why, yeah. when you ask Tyler, why do I give back? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the answer. That's, that's why a core root of value. Wow. That's fascinating. And I mean, that question alone, the way a person answers that question got to be based on their values. So it, it would fuel that passion, right? Just, just finding out the mm -hmm. right answer to that question. Where would I spend that $5 billion? But isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy that if you could answer that question and you could lean into that answer and do more around that, that all of a sudden you'd have more passion in your life. Well, how is that going to carry over? Well, here's what I know is when I'm connected to my truth and my power and my passion, that, that I don't even have to say anything sometimes and people just feel it, right? <laughs> it's, it's just the way you walk. It's yeah. the way you interact with people. It's the smile you have on your face. Like I'm driving the other day in North Carolina and there's a toll booth on the highway and I give her my money and she says, uh, how's your day going? I said, I have an amazing day. I said, you know, cause that's how I answer every time. And she just stopped and goes, holy moly, really? Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Keep having an amazing day. And I knew that in that little micro moment, I, I transferred some of that to that yeah, person. Yeah. Your vibrational energy. Like exactly. she, doesn't, she doesn't get that answer very often when she asks that question. Let's see. I would guess one out of a thousand. I would yeah. love to ask her. I should ask, but here's what I know is that it's, it's this, this crazy uh, in programming, they call it circular references because it's like, it's this loop, right? You give to others, it brings back to you. You become more excited and passionate. You have more to give. It comes more back to you, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I truly believe that the, the untapped opportunity for anybody is contribution and growth right? You grow so you have more to give and in giving more, you get back more so you can get more to grow to give more. Growth yeah. and That's the infinity. This is so amazing. It's, I love this. Wow. Dan, this you is talk. the first time I've ever talked about this on a podcast, just so you know. Well, love this it. is good. I like oh. this. Dan, you talk a lot about relationships and investing in relationships. How do you decide what relationships to invest in? Obviously you have a lot of demands on your time. How do you decide who to give your time to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it's always been an evolution for me. I, I got lucky. I read a book called uh, Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi, 24, 25, I believe. I first read a book, the book that changed my life. Um, because it got me reading in the first place. It was called Never, uh, uh, Love is a Killer App by uh, Tim Sanders. Oh. It's a sleeper. Not a lot of people know about it. I consider it a, a really incredible foundational book because it teaches the three concepts of, you know, acquire knowledge for yourself and your customers. Two, be a good person. And then three, um, your network is your net worth, right? Mm. Um, and that led me on to never eat alone. Cause I think they mentioned it. And, and so I've been, I've been doing that for a long time. Cause I realized after two failed companies that, you know, maybe I get to get around other people like me. Cause I didn't, I didn't grow up around, uh, we didn't, there, the word entrepreneur wasn't even a word I understood until like a decade after I started a business, right? Like it was business owner, I have a business. Um, and what happened was um, I just started this process of reaching out. So, so today, how that looks like is 
you know, so I have a framework called the dream 100 that I teach my coaching clients, right? So this is a very practical approach, but that's not my only approach. So if, if somebody wanted to start and they wanted to make sure it had the highest ROI, you would follow this. I think that sometimes you should also allow serendipity to introduce itself and, um, and go to things, even if you don't feel it could support the dream 100, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to mm -hmm. make it technical. But the idea is this, I think, I think that no matter what endeavor you're going to take, like, let's say I decide I want to do the Kauai Ironman, right? Or whatever, mm -hmm. some crazy thing, build a billion dollar company. First thing I'm going to do is ask myself, um, who are, who are the 60 people that are near me or I can be around that are on that same journey, maybe one or two years ahead of me. Okay. So I'm going to try to make that list. A lot of people go, well, I don't even know where I would start making that list. And I would say, good. It's not supposed to be easy. Figure it out, <laughs> get creative, be resourceful and make the list. Number two, who are the 30 people of advisors? So the first part is peers, 60 peers, 30 advisors that um, are folks that have expertise in the thing that you have a deficit in. So for example, if you don't feel like you're mm. strong at the financials, you wanna find somebody that's rocking at that. Maybe two or three, you put them on the list. Uh, HR, leadership, operations, manufacturing, outsourcing to India, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So like if I was doing the Ironman, I would wanna find somebody that understands uh, you know, bike posture, running mechanics, um, uh, food, uh, maybe some stuff around like uh, vitamins and um, supplements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like I just want to find the experts, yeah. not necessarily the other Iron Manners. They're the, 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 the support people of those Iron Manners, right? And women. Mm. And then the, the, the third group of people, which is 10, right? So that's why it's 100. So 60, 30, yeah. and 10 is the mentors. These are people that have already accomplished the thing you want to do. And you want to make that list, right? So it doesn't matter if you want to build a million dollar your business, run a marathon, lose 40 pounds, uh, whatever it is. You build this dream 100. And then for the next two years, okay? So you make the list. And maybe you get 60, 70% of the list done, 50%. It doesn't matter. You start mm -hmm. reaching out. You start connecting. You got to ask yourself. So when you say, Susan, how would you invest? First, I would make the list. That list will make sure that you've got the right people because I think a lot of times people spend time with the wrong people. And then, then you figure out how to structure your life, you know, and that might be travel. So back in the day when I was building my company Clarity, for example, um, I would get on a plane every seventh week for a week, five days. Actually, it was four days. And I would go to New York, San Francisco, Toronto, or Vancouver, depending on the, the cycle, and then back home to Eastern Canada. Well, I built Clarity. It was a venture-backed company. Mm -hmm. And, and then I would use that travel to use those cities to reach out to people that were on my dream 100. And when I would yeah. visit for the day, I would do breakfasts, meetings, lunches, meetings, dinners, meetings, sleep, wake up, fly to San Francisco, cycle repeats. And I think I pulled off most of my dream 100 within six months. I'm definitely starting my dream 100 Me today. Too. I'm not even joking. I've never even heard. I can't believe I haven't heard that concept. I'm so excited. This is the best advice I think I've yeah. gotten all year. Like I have maybe three advisors I go to one finance, <laughs> one legal, but can you imagine if you had 30 or 15? Or imagine you had two or three advisors on legal. That way, if somebody gave you advice that you felt a little mm -hmm. off, you could go and check it with the other ones, which would give you just another data point, which would make you feel good. Cause that's what rich people do. That's what I do. I don't yeah. know how many accounts I have in my life, but there's a lot. Yeah. It's a, it goes along with what uh, Gary Vee says that people are the ROI of life.
And uh, from what you're saying, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, there's a, there's exactly that. You know, um, I love, I love what you say in your presentation to uh, the MBA class at Berkeley. Uh, this was in your, your Clarity FM days. Yeah. About how, yeah, about how you always speak about opportunities and like hustle to help. Um, who has helped you the most? We don't have the days that were required for me to go through that list, but there's yeah. some pivotal people, right? And, and, and okay. here's what I've learned. Um, and this is the crazy part is those people in those moments didn't even realize what they were doing. Mm. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. So here's what I want to share with everybody listening is that um, I think it's important to approach life with every interaction, knowing that you have the opportunity to literally transform somebody's life in every interaction. Mm -hmm right? So the power of belief. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's truly that every human has the power to extend, extend belief in another individual when many times those people receiving that belief do not have it themselves, right? Mm -hmm. and, and for me, mm -hmm. that, that came when I was 16. Um, I was in jail in a place called St. John Regional Correctional Center. And mm -hmm. I got in a fight with a kid named Kirk and got sentenced to three days in the hole, which is probably the worst place you could ever send somebody. If you've ever heard of the shoe, essentially solitary confinement, you know, stripped okay. your underwear, okay. sitting yeah. on a concrete bed, staring at a stainless steel, you know, toilet and sink, 23 wow. hours, three and a half, 23 and a half hours locked up. They let you out for 30 minutes in the pen, you know, um, horrible. Yeah. At the end of that, three days, you know, and I didn't, they won't tell you how long you're in there for, um, this guard, Brian opens the door and, um, you know, asked me to follow him. And now Brian was one of those, those guys you meet in your life that are, you know, strict, but fair, right? If you were doing your work and you were listening, you know, he might let you grab a second dessert or he would look the mm -hmm. other way if you were, you know, playing, you know, board games longer than you should have been or whatever it is like he, but at the same time, if you crossed them, you knew it. And I, so, so I always looked up to Brian, you know, he was a younger guy and he, uh, he opened the door and he asked me to follow him. And, uh, you know, we were walking down the hallway and he brings me past the entrance to the uh, cell unit, uh, to the block. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where's he bringing me? And then he opens the door to the guard unit, which I'd never been in, right. I'd been there for three months at this point. And I'd never seen on the other side of that, you know, one way, uh, mirror. Right. And, uh, mm -hmm. He asked me to sit in, sit on a chair in the corner and I sit down. I, I was like, oh man, I'm in trouble. And he sits in front of me and he looks at me in the eyes and he just asks, why are you here? And I thought about it for a second. I was like, does he not know? And I was like, well, I, <laughs> Chase, I, you know, I had these guns and he's like, no, no, not that. He goes, why are you here? And I was like, I got in a fight with Kirk you know, da, da, da. he goes, no, not that Dan. He goes, why are you here in this place? And then I was confused and I, he looked at me and he said, I want you to know, Dan, I've been watching you for the last few months, doing your homework, staying out of the politics, doing your own thing. And you don't belong here. And I want you to know that from me, you do not belong in this place. And it, it cracked me open. Yeah. Cause at yeah. 16, that was the first time any adult ever made me feel like I wasn't a piece of shit. Yeah. That I didn't feel like I was broken, that I didn't feel like I was a bad kid. 
That sounds like a pivotal moment. That was where it all changed for you, was it? Everything. Everything. It's like he, he didn't even know he was really doing that. And he, he just wanted, he just felt like, I got to tell this kid because it's bullshit that well, he did yeah. fight. I got to tell him. Wow. And he just told me and I got emotional. Yeah, yeah. And then I went back to my cell and I decided at that point forward, I was not going to be the kid I thought I was. I'm going to live up to the expectations that Brian had of me. Have you ever talked wow. to him again, or was that a one-time moment? I'd love to know, Dan. Wouldn't that be amazing? Never knew the impact. Oh. It, it, it took a while, and I'll tell you why. Is um, clearly guards do not want people to find them after they get out of jail. <laughs> so I tried, and nobody would help me. <laughs> um, oh my but it, yeah, wow. like literally 13 years later, I finally had the chance to uh, thank him, and that's when I realized he didn't even. He didn't really even remember the moment. It, it's so wow. true. People don't realize the impact they have, whether positive or negative. Like I, when I heard your expression, hustle to help, I, it really resonated with me. I have it posted all over my condo in Halifax. So I'm reminded of it wherever I'm in a room, like remember, hustle to help. And you have this great story, Dan, you talk about uh, in your early days where you were struggling to make payroll as an entrepreneur and you, you were thinking, who do I need to reach out to? Who could help put me in touch with technology entrepreneurs in the province of New Brunswick? And you reached out to Frank McKenna, the premier of New Brunswick at the time. I think it, you said it was over Christmas holidays, like one in the morning or something. You sent yeah. an email, introduced me to some people. Or what do you suggest? And I love the story for so many reasons. Um, can you can you kind of uh, recap what happened when you reached out to him and and was that a turning point for that business? Here, here the situation was is I we were growing so fast and nobody teaches this in business, but if you grow really fast, you grow 154 percent year over year. It's this big sound like you don't realize there's this noise called cash being sucked out of your business. <laughs> because you just you know you just got to invest, invest, invest yeah. ahead of growth, right? Hiring. Yeah equipment, office space, et cetera. And, um, and here I was two years in realizing that I, I went way too fast. I didn't have the right financial optics and um, I was going to go bankrupt. You know, I, I had a bunch of people that I'd hired. I didn't have enough pipeline to keep them busy and I wasn't going to be able to make payroll come January. And all these people are on vacation, enjoying the time with their family. They think we're doing great. I thought we were doing great. And so I went through a really crazy, you know, the end of the year is, is, is challenging for me because it used to be challenging for me because the end of the year is, uh, you know, New Year's Eve, uh, which is always a chance for you to reflect on your life and what you've done the previous 12 months. And for me, it's my birthday on the 26th of December. Oh, wow. Double yeah. So I had a double whammy. Here I am again, third company, I'm going to fail and maybe I should go get a job, you know? And I was, I literally went into a depression and, uh, like four or five days I was just, numb and I, I and, and just like I had this inspiration like you know who who would care if I failed you know and I just thought maybe maybe Frank because I heard all these stories about you know what he did for the province and the area and you know how he was as a leader and contributed to the technical infrastructure of, of New Brunswick and the call center industry which a lot of people you know so I just cold emailed him and you know, it was one in the morning on, I think it was December 28th or something. And, you know, obviously holiday season and parties and he replied right away. And he said, you need to, 
you need to meet these three people, Jerry Pond, um, Steve Palmer, and Ken Nickerson. And at the time, I didn't know any of these names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I Google uh, Jerry Pond, which um, if you go look at his, he, he looks like, if you think of like a grumpy old man, that's what Jerry looks like. And I love Jerry him. Like, he literally uh, become an incredible, uh, like, just amazing person in my life. But at the time I was scared. So I, there was like, there's no way I'm emailing this person. So he was the last person I emailed. I started with uh, Steve Palmer. Uh, Steve was, was fast to respond. And he goes, uh, he goes, uh, let's meet on Sunday morning at 7am at Tim Hortons on Mountain Road. Wow. And I, and I thought to myself, why would he want to get up at 7am on Sunday <laughs> to meet with somebody yeah. who doesn't know? And so I went, got ready, put on, put on my suit. <laughs> it looked like I came from church or something. And, uh, you know, we sit down and at the end we, we had a great conversation just about, you know, utilization. And he was, you know, it was, it was really neat just getting some feedback on my business. And then I asked, I said, why, why Sunday at 7am? I'm just curious. Like, were you out doing something? He goes, no, nah. he goes, that's the way I filter people. If you would have came back oh. and could make it, I would have realized you weren't serious. Uh, that, that to this day, I use every day, every day. If you email me asking for mentoring or coaching, you can send me the most sob story in the freaking world. I'm going to recommend a book. And only until you read that book, and you circle back, will I even engage in a conversation? Cause you need to, you need to make an investment first. Yeah, and, you, can, uh, you can hustle to help someone, but unless they're willing to help themselves, it's not exactly. going to go anywhere. Yeah. So yeah. I'll help by recommending the book you need, but if you can't do yourself a favor and buy the book and read it, then we're not on the same page. So the Jerry Pond invited me down to St. John to meet with his team at, at Mariner. And man, those guys just made me feel like the smartest person in the room, which at the point I wasn't feeling too shit hot. And, um, and just showed me how what I was doing was absolutely perfect. I was just missing a few elements and, and they helped me get yeah. through it. Right. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I don't know where I would have been if those guys didn't show up the way they did. So that's why, for many years, today I might ask you to read a book, but for many years, and even today in Moncton, if you email me and you're willing to you know, drive to Moncton or fly to Moncton, um, I'll take you out for lunch and I'll pick up the tab. And I've been doing that for a long time. And many people have flown from other countries. And I'm like, okay, I just want you to know, before you get on a plane, I will not <laughs> sprinkle magic fairy dust on you. <laughs> so keep your expectations low. We will have a lot of fun, but uh, you know, I don't know what you're expecting. Before this, before this podcast airs, I'm putting in my request today that I'm going through Moncton. Anytime. As long as I'm in town, I always organize a lunch. Uh, I have open lunches. Email me first so we can coordinate. And, For sure. Um, yeah, we do a founder's lunch. Never eat alone. I've been literally doing that. Uh, it's easy for me. That's, that's the thing. It's like, so when, I, when you ask really about investing in relationships, to me, that's where I like the serendipity, right? So I'll always have like a standing lunch every two weeks, maybe every week, depending on the volume. And, um, and that way it's just fun for everybody. I get to meet people, they get to meet each other. Usually they're, they're potential peers that they're, they're on the same journey. And, um, and that's just, just a great, great way I think to, to contribute to, to the world. How would you say you find the right coach though? Cause there's so many different types of coaches and different, um, I work in so many different areas and I'm always working, like I'm dealing with uh, people that are you know, age 30, 26. What do you think, what kind of advice could you give to, to the, that age group to say, 
you know, this is how you need to fund, this is the mentor you need, or this is what you need to be looking for. Yeah. So to me, I think mentors and coaches are two different things. And I'll, I'll give you a quick description of that. And then, and then also I've had three coaches in my career. Um, so I have a lot of experience and, and those are like three formal coaches, although I've invested probably a million dollars at this point in just myself, right. Through programs mm -hmm. and education and, um, different things to just up level my abilities. Um, so the difference between a mentor and a coach is a, a mentor, the way I think of mentors, it's the person you turn to instead of your parents. Okay. Think about that, right? If you're going to make a big life decision, you know, should I move? Should I buy a house? Should I buy a business? Should I start a company? Should I, you know, quit my job, et cetera? Um, I want to go to the person who's been to where I want to be and get their feedback. I love my parents, but here's what I've learned. If you get advice from people that haven't accomplished what you want, you're going to end up with the same results they got. Yeah. So unless you mm -hmm. look at your parents and, you know, you're really impressed and you want to emulate their you know, trajectory, then go for it, get their advice. But if you don't, and you probably don't, because most kids don't, um, they want more. And that's totally fine. I want my kids to be even more ambitious than me if they want to be. Um, that you should find mentors that are the people that you actually turn to and get the advice and take action on their advice. You can listen to your parents. I love, I, my dad loves giving me advice. <laughs> I, and and I, lo I love the fact he loves to give it. Um, so I always ask. But the truth is, you know, between you and I and, and this little group of, of friends that are listening, um, you know, I, by the time I ask him, I already know what I'm doing because I got it from my mentors. I'm just, I'm just giving him the space to do what he loves to do, right? Which is be yeah. a man. Isn't that fun? Yeah. So I used to be yeah. angry at him. Like, stop, stop telling me what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, you never started a business. What do you know? Blah, 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 blah. That makes no sense. I was such a dumb kid for thinking that way. Like at the end of the day, parents just want to not see you, you get hurt. That's why they tell you this right. stuff. Their intention you get upset about it. You should understand it. I have kids, right? I hope I don't do that, but I will, you know, I see it. So that's the difference between mentors and uh, you know, like what a mentor is. And then a coach is somebody that uh, for me uh, has the, a framework for the outcome. Right. So because the challenge with a lot of mentors, they can actually explain what they did to do what they've done. Or by the time they okay. do it so far removed, they forgot. Yeah. Right. So like mm -hmm. it's hard for me to teach people from going from like zero to one. I, get, I still practice with the kids I work with. They're the at risk youth. So that's cool. But uh, it's, it's such a long time ago that I kind of forget the, the mindset foggy. I was in. Yeah, yeah I just in, don't know. In terms of, in terms of SaaS, I know you, you play a lot and you coach a lot in the SaaS space. With all the disruption of technology today, should every type of business offer some type of software as a service as one of their offerings? I know you no. maybe you're a bit biased, but no. Yeah, I'm totally biased. And, and, no, and so, so the people understand SaaS is software as a service. One of my best friends, Marty, asked me the other day, what does SaaS mean? I go, dude, we've been friends for 23 years. You've never thought of asking me at any point what SaaS was? So yeah, software as a service just means the subscription stuff that people list, uh, pay for every month. Um, uh, no, I don't, I don't think every business needs a, a software tool. I think every business should ideally have some kind of a subscription product or offering. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a really good business fundamental, right? So like if you look at a CrossFit gym or a massage uh, clinic or you know, um, anything really, if you can build a maintenance contract, insurance, et cetera. Like if you can build a base 
ideally, if you can build a continuity program or a subscription program that covers your operational expenses, then then everything else you sell is it hits the bottom line. It's really a beautiful business model. Then you're so, making money while you sleep, type thing. Well, that yeah, you should that that comes as a byproduct of productizing your services and then having team members deliver the value, so you're not doing it. That that you can do without the subscription. But yeah, um, mm -hmm. especially. I'll give you the formula of success that nobody taught me. I wish I would have learned. And I just, I just, it occurred to me one day, I didn't even read this anywhere, is was that initially we trade time for money, right? So we yeah. trade our hours for, for dollars. And it doesn't matter if you're a freelancer or an employee, like same, same equation. Then eventually you realize you can get leverage. So you trade um, money for time, right? So you start buying blocks of time back by spending money. And that could be contractors, outsourcing, you know, employees. And then eventually um, you need to learn the skill of trading money for money. And that's what I happened to stumble upon when I invest, started investing uh, when I was 26. So angel investing um, mm -hmm. that I've now pretty much, that's my income. Um, and that's why for me, coaching is hundred percent just pure passion and love. Um, even though it's extremely, it's a big investment right? Like I always say, and people are like, what does it cost to coach you, Dan? I say, it's more than you expect, but the value is going to be more than you can ever imagine. Mm. Um, because I'm mm. definitely a unique character in the world of, of software. <laughs> I only, I only coach B2B SaaS founders, right? Like that's, there's no other uh, business coach that I know that does that. And I happen to have built multi-million dollar companies and I've invested in the $4 billion SaaS companies that I got to help grow in the early days. So it's, you know, at the end of the day, I don't do it because I have to do it. I do it because I love it because um, it's just, and, and the funny part is the more people pay, the more they pay attention. That's the sad right. part. Because I did Clarity, uh, which is a marketplace for entrepreneurs to get advice over the phone. And I, I did that for uh, two and a half years before we got acquired. And during that time, I did 1,300 Clarity calls for really cheap, right? Like not that much money. Now it's 5000 an hour, unapologetic. It's worth ten. I charge five, right? Um, wow. And even at that point, I get frustrated because people weren't doing the stuff I was suggesting, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why for me, a lot of time the investment has to be there just so that people take it to the level of seriousness they should. And they keep sticking to it. It's almost like if you don't invest, it's too easy to give up. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you want to mm -hmm. pull the trigger JFDI it. You guys can Google it. It's my license plates is my like motto. And you got a JFDI and throw all in so that you do the work that you need to know to do. And you don't give up when you want to give up because you're invested. And I mean, to get mm -hmm. coaching from someone that has such a track record as you do, Dan, B2B for SaaS. I mean, yeah, they have to pay for that. That comes with the price. And yeah. Well, the ROI, I always, I, sh I, I, we map out a plan in the first three months, they're ROI positive on the whole year investment. Like that's, that's again, the value I create. I'm like, tell me what number you want to move and what's your goal. And as long as we do that, will you be happy? And they're like, yeah, it's like done. Awesome. I mean, I've seen it. I've, I just, it's almost like I've got 20,000 hours of this because I've done it myself. I've coached hundreds of entrepreneurs. It's all I do. I don't even watch team sports. Like I don't watch basketball. I don't watch anything. I study business and I talk to SaaS entrepreneurs all day long. And do you have it. a do you have a TED talk? Is that on is I, that of interest to you? Uh, I've been asked a few times. Um, you know, it's even with the book, right? Like, unless I unless I have something I feel I have to say, I'm not going to say it. I did do the talk, the power of belief, 
um, at Archangel. If somebody wants to Google that on YouTube, you can watch the talk where I talk about my story of Brian, um, which in some ways was kind of a TED talk, but mm -hmm. um, no, I, I, I almost feel like I'm kind of a contrarian in that way. Um, I feel mm -hmm. like it's what you're supposed to do right now. And I'd rather be the most known person to the right people than just yeah. being known for being known. So I actually, yeah. you made a deliberate choice. Yeah. I just well, thought that's just my style. That makes sense. I like yeah. the contrarian style. What's, what's next for Dan Martell? Where can our listeners learn more about you and all that you offer? I just launched a new video podcast show called Escape Velocity, uh, where I yeah. interview, you know, eight, nine figure SaaS founders about how they built their growth engines. So you can subscribe to that on iTunes and YouTube. Um, and what's next? Uh, I'm really loving life. So I'm just going to keep doing a whole lot more of what I'm doing today. And, uh, and that seems to be doing okay. So, <laughs> uh, that is, that is next. And, um, yeah, this has been super Fantastic, fun. Dan. Honestly, I really oh, appreciate Tyler and Susan for the opportunity. It's been incredible. You guys have a great style. I appreciate you guys being prepared and asking great questions and, uh, definitely take me up on the opportunity to come hang out in Moncton to meet in person. I'd love to uh, break bread. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate Thanks, your time. Dan. Such a pleasure. Cool. Have an amazing day. We'll talk you soon. Too. Well, my friends, that wraps up another episode of the Inspired Leadership Podcast. On behalf of myself, Susan Power at Power HR, and my co-host, Tyler Bailey, thank you for listening. If you would like to be a guest on this podcast or have a suggestion for a future guest, please email me at info at powerhr.ca. Until next time, stay inspired.